I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Well, this is the story of Ben and Frank. We went up to town to find a good spank, but then I fell down and I hit my head, and then Ben took me and sodomized me in bed. Welcome, um... To the Bearded Dicks Musical Fun Time. That was a conf- Bearded Dicks <laughs> Musical Fun Time. That was a confessional rap by the beard, the by the by the dick. Uh... <laughs> Such a sad, sad, sad man. Anyway, uh, we are back once again to uh, the Dicks long-running series of the best albums from the last decade and uh i will continue to try to have opinions and probably won't so dick would you like to take it away i sure would beard so first of all you're wrong and second uh (laughs) so yes um tonight we're going to cover the year of 2014 so, for those who listened to our last Motel Hell episode, you know that we're currently having to record in two locations with a janky setup because we run primitive and COVID. So, COVID. COVID. Uh, we are. So, if things sound a little funky, that's why. But we're going to do our best. So, I'm just going to get to it. 2014, the year of the bean. No, that I don't. I don't know why I would say that. <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna. I want to switch it up a little bit rather than go alphabetically. I want to start off with the album of the year, which is easily my top five albums of the decade, which is Hate Rock's Psychic Nine Five Club. So, Ben, you have heard this album many times. Before I go into my whole spiel do you want to say anything about it i like it that's pretty much it okay so for those who don't know hate rock there's they talk about the stories one of the members committed suicide blah 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 you can just read any review of them and they'll tell you their little band history it's you know like all mainstream music reviewing publications they just re say and rehash the same kinds of shit over and over and over it's super annoying but this album is substantially different than their prior release which was this kind of post-punk meets like bass well not even like bass music but like i don't even know like just it's like a very much a companion band to Tropic of Cancer, but whereas their stuff is brittle and minimal and delicate, and we discussed in depth on the last episode when I talked about Restless Idols, Hate Rock's prior album, Work, 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 was like thick 
and hazy and cough syruped out and just sex fuck music but definitely like on some serious drugs and uh that's all really cool and i really liked it and was definitely down for another album in that style and then they released the original the single for this album give it up which is the opening track and it is crystal clear ultra clean production that even trumps tropic of cancer's restless idols and it's there's no brittleness at all it is like the most clean and clear electronic down-tempo band production that is simultaneously warm but also completely mercurial is really the only way i can describe it it's like that scene in the matrix when neo puts his fingers into the mirror and then it starts to like slide all over him that's what it sounds like it's very it's a very dreamlike album yeah but not in the overused and meaningless way like this is an album that is dreams as if they were recorded in eight songs in an album the cover is a sort of peach color and it's peach silver mercury drowning you and there is no better sensation i i could go on endlessly and gush about this but there is no substitute to just listening to the whole thing if you have any interest in like synth pop type music or dream pop type music or down tempo music it's it can be slightly off-putting because it's it's minimal in the arrangements but it is emotive in the extreme there's one song that's basically instrumental and the only part in it is the vocalist does this quick little laughter in this just for a second she laughs in the distance and it carries the whole song that's that's the kind of shit we're talking about but the i'm gonna play now a song from it called wet dream and the lyrics are i'm in love with myself i've probably reviewed it on the podcast previously i can't even remember but i love this song it could be my song of the decade it sort of describes my own feelings with myself but also it's the ultimate really intimate fuck song and i'm just gonna just play like a minute of it and uh I will be fully torqued, but I hope you listeners will be too. So check this out.
even with just like that minute and a half, I get chills down my spine. It just, it brings back many, uh, an erotic memory (laughs) (laughs) with more, uh, please go into great detail. No, I can't. Um, (laughs) needless to say, our former co-host wouldn't appreciate me talking about it, nor would my, um, several ex-girlfriends before that, but early dating that's like it's sort of like my mating music you know (laughs) like and uh i just remember when it came out i got it as a gift from my ex and then like we just put it on and got to it and uh oh so so yeah i don't i don't want to say that it goes downhill from here because certainly the rest of these records are very good they're exceptional records but i just this this album is it's just far above and beyond and the some of the lyrics, at least for me, with my deaf ears and like seemingly hazy brain that has a real difficulty with interpreting lyrics, um, some of them are much more clear. And the body you deserve is the the final song and has like these incredibly like Cronenberg set to sex music lyrics. I, I don't know. They just this band crosses like all the right wires for me and creates this just music that is like unlike anything else and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just, and I know that I reviewed their most recent album. I think I said it was my album of the year last year, or at least up there. And it was exceptional, but it's a very different and a very much more like immediate and emotional. It has the perspective of coming from the band and the band members where this album is a little bit more third person. And I think better for it because it, it just, it, I don't know. Yeah. So it's so good you're having a hard time describing it. Yeah. When I'm at a loss for words, you know there's something to be worried about. So, um, he won't shut the fuck up. Yeah. I will say that the companion to this was an album that took me some time to warm up to, and it really wasn't until the following year that I got really into it. But FKA Twigs, formerly known as Twigs, because her original EP was under the name Twigs, and then they were all formerly known as Twigs after that. Uh, LP one is on. So, oh, and I'm sorry. Uh, Hate Rock was on Ghostly International. LP one by FK Twigs is on Young Turks. And Ben, you also know this album. You want to give me your thoughts before I launch into it? Uh, well, I own this album. Right. And uh, it. I don't know, man. It was. It's it's. I really don't know how to describe it. It was something that you turned me on to and I instantly fell in love with it became a very good uh, driving music for me okay uh, I, I haven't listened to it in a while but it was one of those things that like instantly like you put it on and a lot of people get behind it even even my wife who's not into a lot of the weirder music that we're into got really into it yeah so for those who don't know the, the cool thing about Twigs is that she is a multidimensional artist. So her videos are unique in every sense of the word. She incorporates all sorts of dance into all of her stuff and has this wild visual flair that I think is both hers and comes from her incredible collaborators. And this album, the EPs before them, and the most recent album, which I haven't really gotten acquainted with, are essentially showcases of 
a ton of incredible producers who have all gone on to like become ultra famous and do their own things. Arca being the main one, Sophie being another. And there are a ton of people that are in here helping to clarify Twig's voice, both in a literal sense and like her artistic voice. And they do it in a way that um, isn't like a manufactured pop idol's identity that's reliant on her producers, but rather on like an auteur artist who uses a bevy of producers to create something better than she could do by herself. Although even by herself, she does incredible work. And I was aware of her when EP two came out and they had, um, Oh fuck. I can't think of the name of the song, but it's like about domestic abuse and water me, I think is what it's called. And I had this like weird trippy video that I watched on mushrooms and was like way too intense lyrically and fucked me all up the one night. <laughs> and I sort of steered clear for a while after that. And I came into this album because in the show, Mr. Robot in the first season, there's an incredibly intimate and violent and important, like pivotal scene that uses the song two weeks from this album. That's like an actual breakup song. And it's so perfect, both in the sense of they use the song, like it's just, it fucking works so well. And I was like, yo, what is that? And then I was like, oh, fuck, that's that's Twigs? Okay, so I went back to her, checked out this album, and then, yeah, you would... I think you bought it even before I got it. And uh, it's just like where Heat Rock does this incredible dream music. Twigs has a lot of dreamy elements, but it's also way more physical and infinitely more prickly, especially because of the producers she uses. There is this, at least to my ears, one that's been trained with years and years, like decades of listening to Autiker. I hear tons of like Autiker style, uh, late nineties into like mid two thousands, extreme electronic music production. That's highly detailed and, not arrhythmic, but constantly morphing in the rhythmic components. And then with her voice and the lyrics, there's this like emotional core that hits on everything. And one of the things that I find to be particularly interesting about it is that she uh, doesn't have any one thing in it. Like there's there's not one vibe, there's not one sound, there's not one lyrical motif, although it's all sort of erotic, but... Uh, it just goes a lot of different places and still winds up being a full album that's wildly enjoyable and like easy to just listen to in one sitting. I'm going to play a part from the song Pendulum and it's going to be one of the more like swelling parts to it, but it's it's one of those songs that really the justice is done if you listen to the whole thing because it's always about earning the build-up, which she does on every song she fucking makes. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just there's like uh, different terms for it, but orgasm is one of them. Where like when you're listening to music, the hair on the back of your neck stands up, and you just get what feels like a massive dopamine rush that just pours out from the top of your head across the rest of your body. And this is this is the kind of stuff that I mean. There are harsh noise songs that can do that too, especially Jason Krumer has like an incredible ability because he has a lot of crescendo-y type of stuff in his work. But listening to like really good trip-hop, hip-hop, or occasionally a good Death Spell Omega song just has that trigger where it's, it doesn't even matter if I listen to 30 seconds of one of the most amazing songs. Like it's just so good that it's like, oh, I did a little bump the root, you know? Like just a little sniff-sniff, like, oh my God. Snuff, snuff. <laughs> Well, but, she she was a dancer before she was a singer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and she's a lot of her music's very dance oriented. Yeah, has a, a lot of that energy to it. But not not in the sense of club music, but very much in the sense no. of modern dance, avant garde. Uh, she her next EP after this was called like Melissa, but with numbers and shit in it. The whole thing is done as a video. That is amazing and weird and definitely. Not everybody will be into, but it's one of those things that if you're willing to like get into some more sort of like pseudo high art stuff, which sometimes is hard for me because I'm so used to trash and filth, I can really appreciate because even if it's not necessarily like my aesthetic or like what I would have chose, like for her music, it's right. Like, you know what I mean? And it might be weird to my own taste and not something common for me, but it, she just pulls from like so many cool things that, and makes them, you know, better than they were by themselves. And, and to go back to my prior comment, uh, the Buster Rhyme song was with Janet Jackson. I'm a fucking idiot. And, um, it's called, what's it going to be? which is the one where she's in this like silvery purple suit and he's all silver. And I think it was like for Dr. Doolittle or something. Gonna make your body wet. Gonna, gonna make your body scream again. Yada, yada. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. And that was like a big deal. It was for Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely in some movie. I'm trying to fucking remember. Oh my God. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, uh, Oh, come on. This fucker was on something. It was definitely on a movie soundtrack. Uh, oh. Well, anyways, I we should we should definitely do a deep dive on the career of Buster Rhymes at some point though. I think that's a missed opportunity not to. But <laughs> what is our podcast anymore? <laughs> so, I'm going to I'm going to sort of go to a different place now uh, and talk about Damn, dude, this was a hell of a year. Hell of a year, honestly. So the the probably the one that I, I kind of doubted putting on this list, but I know some people strongly dislike this album, and I can understand why, but I really liked it, and I really liked it when I saw them play it live. But Godflesh did their comeback album, which was a follow-up to like their comeback EP, and the album's called A World Only Lit by Fire, which was released on Avalanche, and then I think partially released on Hydrahead, and it is the album where they debuted the eight-string guitar, and on top of having Green's like massive bass tone already, and so 
it definitely has the chug and tenor of a Meshuga album at times, which it could certainly be off-putting, but uh, I should say that Godflesh was never one for a complicated riff, so I don't understand like why huge chugging eight-string stuff isn't for everybody. I can understand in the sense of there is very little in the way of electronic experimentalism in it. It's basically like a straight-up heavy metal album of industrial-style dirges, and it also gets into that, like, post-original-era Godflesh Jezu-style real dirgy shit in the last three songs and is very, very good in that way. And as somebody who likes the first DPs of Jesu and the first album, kind of, although they don't really hold up because I did just go back and listen to them recently, um, I thought this album was fun. And it wasn't it wasn't as good as the best Godflesh albums, there's no question. It didn't have that edge to it that made it so wild, but there's still not really any bands that have this like huge chugging eight-string guitar sound that aren't gent bands or degent or whatever the fuck they call the Meshuggah genre now. Um, other than Meshuggah and a bunch of metalcore, deathcore bands, but they weren't, they're not making music in that style. They're just making this like chugging, blocky uh, industrial metal. And they toured for this album with Purient, and it was awesome because Purient did his, a live set of like all the best material from Frozen Niagara Falls that in my opinion was infinitely better than the album, which was cool and like a huge sprawling thing and blah, 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 blah. But also like one where I listened to it once and was like, well, I'll never listen to that again. And seeing it live was so much more visceral and immediate and the best live performance I had seen him do since he was touring for the black bass material back in like 2005. So I was, I was happy all the way around and when Godflesh played this material live, like it was heavy as fuck and loud as fuck. They played at the Union Underground where we saw Fabio Fritzi, and it was it was awesome. I'm gonna play. Fuck it, I'll no. I'm gonna play. <laughs> Forgive our fathers. Uh, part of the last song from the album.
I feel like this is one that you would probably dig a lot, Ben. I don't think you've ever heard it much, though. No, I haven't, but I do like what I've heard. Yeah, the and the thing that I like, it's funny, I only, this is a rare album where I purchased the digital version and only own it because it has three remixes from the album that are really good and I kind of like better than the uh, the album versions because they do some of the, like the sort of dub industrial that J.K. Broderick likes so much and to me it was, I didn't really need to buy a vinyl version that didn't have the remixes and so I didn't, but I mean... It's, it's like, to, I don't, I don't, I just didn't feel like it was a huge stretch for Godflesh. Like, it's super droney and has big chunky beats and drum machine drums and thick as fuck bass line, okay? Where, where's the problem? The occasional droning vocal bits. Like, it's everything that, I guess you could bitch that it wasn't different and didn't change the game, but also every time they did that everybody bitched so <laughs> they just they're a band that can't win um yeah. so i think that's all i really need to say on that it's uh it's definitely probably one of the more contentious ones but uh i want to jump to a very a quick one so there is a their techno duo called cast grain and they've done they did a series of eps and sort of many albums for this Italian label called Prologue that was really predominantly or, or really dominant in this sort of, how can I put it? It's ambient techno. That's not, it's not ambient in the sense of, Oh, it's just like pitter patter beats. Like it's definitely, it's this particular style of Italian droning. I call it tunnel techno because it just is, tunneling and has strange melodic phrasings and sometimes depending Donato Dazi and Dino Sabatini are like on the more sort of ambient tribal side of it but in like the least bad tribal way possible whereas Cascrain are more German clubs side of it but they still have this specific element the label I think is out of business now but this was a really exceptional EP. They put out an album the same year on the label, which is good. But I think this EP is best because every track is fire. And there's the one I'm going to play in a second is called Yokai. And it's just like when the Yokai, drugs. really? Yeah. When the drug. Why is that? Does that mean something to you? Yeah. Yokai are a type of Japanese spirit. Oh, well, there um, you go. They, I think they usually possess like inanimate objects. Okay. Let me let me confirm that real quick. Never mind. It's all yokai watch stuff now. All right. Which well, is a game. if they're spirits, then that makes sense because this sounds being pursued by spirits in a tunnel. And the album art is very tasteful and minimal. It's this sort of grid that's like tilted on its axis with like shading below it. It's just the right kind of minimal and perfect techno twelve-inch sleeve. And again, there's also the next song is called Hexagon 15, which is like has it, it the whole. All right, let me just put this on.
is very good techno and it, it's long which i love so it's just and it just ratchets up the intensity throughout its seven minute run span and it's it, it's just like the kind of thing where like it, it's absolutely club music but it's so well done as a that and because it's not just like a tool which i do like to like i love regis and, and that kind of shit but this has a little bit of progression to it and is very easy to listen to at home, like like really teaching my speakers a lesson and also good for the headphones or for driving at night through tunnels or, you know, whatever you find yourself doing. Sadly, of course, this is something I got in sobriety, so I never got to pound a bunch of drugs to it. But uh, it, it's just a killer. And again, their, their album Centers of Distraction is very good. And they had a prior EP called Dropa that has one song called Lop Noor, which is like the best thing they ever did but this ep is kind of i think like the apex of of it all and then i know they've done a lot of stuff since that's kind of into the more like quote unquote industrial techno fucking bullshit genre but this is this is the money shot for me yokai on blood distributed as pure color on prologue records uh, also just uh, and just to let you know, um, I was right. They're a class of supernatural monsters, spirits, and demons in Japanese folklore. Boom. Love that. So this next one's a quick one. It's Lingua Fungi, which is a Finnish ritual ambient ambient project associated with Aural Hypnox. He, was, he did some stuff pre-Aural Hypnox. He's done some stuff after. I think he was for a while helping to run the label, but wasn't wasn't around for a super long time now i cannot remember if i bought this tape if i got this tape as part of being part of the they did like this very exclusive mailing list thing and when i was in finland like i paid the guy directly and was like here's my mailing list subscription here's my 40 euros and then they sent out like special tapes that like you're not supposed to talk about or rip or anything which i haven't and they all came in special cases. Aural Hypnox, for those who don't know, is like the ritual ambient label. Anything else is just not worth listening to. They created the style. They perfected the style. The people that are still on it are like the masters of ritual ambient that for anybody else would be corny. But they and they've changed styles over time within the genre. But the early Hala, um, Halo Manash stuff and Arcteo stuff is like bone instruments like you know I, we've, i've talked about it on the podcast like all this wildness lingua fungi is the one outlier on the whole label because he does a lot more it feels like tape music and brighter guitar oriented but still sort of weird and fucked up and segmented type type stuff he has one cd album and then he has this tape and like i said i don't even know how I wound up with this tape, but it comes in a special box. It comes with its own incense for burning while you listen to the tape. And it's just two songs, 10 minutes per side. And the A side's fine. It's this kind of crystalline droning type thing. And that's good. But this makes it on the list exclusively because the B side is a, well, a monster is the wrong way to describe it. But it is, it is one of like the most enjoyable ambient type things i've ever heard and it's like 10 minutes so it's just perfect to like just have a meditation to 
you burn the little cone. It's not even cone. It's like these little like chunk incenses you have to burn on like a dish burning incense thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The good stuff. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's just so very nice. So I'm gonna play a minute of it, and you'll kind of get the full picture. But also imagine like sitting down and having a personal private ritual in like the healthiest sort of way to just like allow yourself like that freedom for 10 minutes of like this is me this music and whatever time oh and the tape's called as or beyond so your impression of that uh i like it. it's real spooky yeah i'm not as good as at, at, i don't have your your little phrases like you do but i it's i don't know it's it's very um you're right it's very meditative it's it's definitely something that could you know if you sat down like you said for some incense you could definitely go on a journey in your own brain with it yeah so it's it's funny because I'm listening to it again now, thinking about it. And I think one of the reasons I like it so much, that track in particular, is that it really reminds me of the guitar-oriented sections of Emeralds in their early days up until the What Happened album, which the whole thing with Emeralds is that if you're on it, like they, they were a U.S. group out of Ohio who basically like took a bunch of acid and kept recording a bunch of incredible... Uh, psychedelic drone albums that were hugely influenced by Tangerine Dream and those types of German composers and uh, they would be the first to admit like yeah we like they tried to drop they, they did an album called Forest Fires and then they tried to uh, 
top it and they like dropped too much acid and so the recording sessions became this like huge mess but they wound up with this like massive sprawling like two hour thing like it's just you listen to it and you're like ah yes and when i was on acid many times listening to emeralds i was like ah yes this makes much sense but when i'm sober listening to emeralds there's a lot of like glip gloppy modular synth stuff that it's just kind of glippy and gloppy and not particularly interesting for me and then they're sort of more cohesive guitar driven but in i mean driven in the sense of like you're still in a car with flat tires moving at one mile per hour but you know driven tracks you get this it's more interesting and they often have like more of an interesting swell within them at some point this song doesn't have any kind of swell it just basically ding dongs away it almost sounds like a mixture of like um harpsichord or or like clocks and like there's this like piano prepared piano kind of thingy almost but a lot of guitar reverb whatever it ignores all the glippy gloppy throwback shit and just focuses on incredible use of like space to to give you this psychedelic chamber music that never goes too far it never becomes it it just stays azure it never becomes any other color and that makes it so wonderful to me because so often with this music it's like very easy for them want to push it up a notch and i don't i just i like stasis like <laughs> give me the same thing for an hour if it's good which is why and, and one of the things that halo Minash and arcto eos do that's so different and so good is that arcto eos often is like they're especially in i mira well anyway i'm not going to review three other albums in the process of this one but um I like this tape. I almost did. I like this tape very much. I would never give it up. I still have a little bit of the incense that came with it left. It's a beauty. His companion CD is also very good, but this is a a huge recommendation if you're into this kind of thing and you don't have this one. It's not one to skip. Okay. Uh, The next is another. Well, I mean, these are all favorite albums, but Violet Poison, Non Sequitur on Haunted Air. So last time we had talked about Violet Shaped, which was Shaped Noise and Violet Poison. And this this album came out the following year and Violet Poison started a trend that he's still working to this day, which is digging into a sort of, I think, a fictionalized version of what 80s techno sounded like because 80s techno didn't sound like this. And digging even further back, taking a lot of inspiration from Claudio Simonetti and other composers like him who did giallo synth soundtracks or at least partially synth soundtracks. And so with this album, you get both in song titles and in vibes and in samples, a distinctly giallo influenced record, which as an Italian producer feels like fair and a cool thing to do. And it's sexy, it's violent, it's fucking weird, and my favorite track on it is called Palace of Mirrors, which is, like, the slinkiest of them all, and is just straight up the sound of, like, writhing eels in a sea of Robitussin, like, it's just this (laughs) fucking, again, why, why did I have to be sober when this shit came out, what the fuck, I got cheated, but, uh, it's fine, I'm over it. Let's just shove a bunch of vitamins up your butt and we'll listen to all of this stuff again yeah um 
So I'm going to play Palace of Mirrors, and then I'm going to quickly play a little bit of the song Pain, just so that you can get a taste for two sides of this coin. But Violet Poison has gone on to continue to like make this fictionalized version of retro, rough, analog, techno, and it's all good, and some of it's really fantastic, but I am sad to say it. For my taste, he hasn't surpassed this debut album, which is just solid gold the entire way through. So this is Palace of Mirrors. That one has this sample running through it that's like, is it from a horror movie? Is it from a bondage-like spanking session? Is it some girl who's like maniacally laughing in parts? It's a, 
it's weirdo shit and i love that like he he really pulls it off so nice and it's got all these like squiggly little bits and uh i mean you you've got a lot of familiarity with violet poison you got any thoughts to add no <laughs> no i mean like you know it's it's no. <laughs> well, Honestly. yeah, I would say that the one of the things that I love so much about Violet Poison is with his Giallo vibes, he's been a great companion to our sleazy slasher Saturday movie parties because oftentimes I will play his music in between the movies to sort of keep the vibe on point, and I think it continues to work quite well. He's he's uh. He's a guy I'd love to talk to, uh, although there's some language barriers, but I feel like he could be, I don't, I would imagine he's a fairly interesting guy. We have seemingly a lot of sort of exploitation interests that align, which is true for a ton of people. I mean, lots of people like Italian horror, but it just seems where his techno and giallo come together, it really gives me, mm, give me some good feelings. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. That's why I don't really have anything to say, because I'm, I really don't know how to put it forth. Sure. uh, Other than it's just like, for me, it's both violent and common. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the next two... Uh, again, maybe you have stuff to add, maybe not, but I know that they're records we both worship. So the first one is High Functioning Flesh, A Unity of Miseries, A Misery of Unities on DK, which is DKA, an American uh, sort of throwback label. And I have to give immediate shout-outs to Daffy, who put me onto High Functioning Flesh when their demo came out, and... They had, oh, Touch Oblivion, Icon, was on that demo, um, along with uh, three of the other songs that are on this LP, and it was like an immediate anthem. And they've never done anything like it. It's kind of like their most straight EBM song they've ever done, and then really they've become like more of a sort of electropunk band, although for ease of genre reference, I call them EBM, but whatever. This is a band that... So if you've ever listened to High Functioning Flesh, they... (laughs) The easy thing to take away from them is that they love these, like, ah, ah, this type of, oh, yeah. uh, it just, like, yeah. punctuations, yeah, and they, they're, like, their fashion style, their video styles, like, it's all, it's all 80s throwback, but also, it's, it's again, 80s, it's 80s, it's the 80s in California, like, so hard. Yeah, it's L.A., meets Cronenberg meets eighties, but in a way that never happened, obviously. And because it's this reimagined past, it has this incredibly, you know, sort of weird kind of a vibe to it. And while they are like one of the throwback EBM bands that was really popping in the like sort of 2012 to 2018 era, they, like I said, went some different ways. But this first album is, I mean, it's even got some Cronenberg samples really decently hidden into it. But it's just, it's really fast. It's really fun. It's just this, like, all, again, super just drum machines, sequencers. It, it's 
It's kind of um, the closest thing I would say it's like is the first two series uh, or the first like sort of main albums, Caustic Grip and oh, Gash Senses and Crossfire by Frontline Assembly, which aren't really their first two albums, you know, sort of kind of are. It's a lot like that and it's a lot like Portion Control or Body Control or one of those other bands I'm less familiar with, but I've heard, but they do their own thing and... Uh, they're just like a ton of fun. You know, it's it's weird and, and, and body horror influenced, but it's not like all gore. It's way more I became part cyborg with a vagina cavity in my chest, but I'm also like definitely down to dance. You know? <laughs> uh, I, my body was horribly mutilated by mechanisms, but like I don't care and I'm gonna dance. Yeah, so I. And the best part is in all of their videos when they do dance, <laughs> they have that like, uh, that old school like goth. Like I'm not really interested in dancing, yeah. but I'm gonna dance, dance. Yeah, it's this swaying back and forth, and it's Greg Vand and Susan Subtract. And the the biggest tragedy of it all is that Ben and I never got to see them live because the no. last tour they did, I was in Japan and Alexa was going to go to the show just to buy me their t-shirt while I was away, but she wound up chickening out and I still managed to get a copy of the shirt down the line. But it was, I was, I wasn't going to cancel my trip to Japan to see them, but it turned out to be their last tour because Susan Subtract had a bunch of kids and Greg Van's doing a bunch of other stuff and they're doing like cool art stuff now too, but high functioning flesh is on the back burner while their lives are, you know, in other places. And I bet they'll come back around with a new album, but they are a band that, like, I love their first album the most because it's kind of the most simple, but I also appreciate their, like, wild polyrhythmic structures they got into later. And Culture Cut was amazing, too, which is its own thing. But this is, all those albums could have been been on the list. This is the one I picked. And I picked it because Touch Oblivion Icon is a fucking anthem, and it's a lot slower than most of their other material, but I'm going to play a minute of it. If if you don't want to dance along, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you. Okay.
it's incredible. It's so good. But, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those albums that just makes me giddy. And you are right. It's just the, it's the very, uh, 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 a lot of, uh, heavy grunting. Yeah. They're so punk. Yeah. Well, Susan Subtract does both like all the vocals and, even though it sounds like they have two vocalists and he just does this great, like overdubbing that really, are you just chugging water over there? Or what's the story? What? So were you just chugging water? No. Oh, anyways. Um, he just does like this great dual vocals with himself interplay that are like, some of them are like, uh, and, uh, you know, like they have this like more like, uh, like aggressive, but then he does that like kind of like baritone ish or whatever it's just great it's just a lot of fun and I always forget that that song starts out with a with a okay <laughs> yeah they're way more they, they're they sort of like a way more of a dance punk kind of a thing than they are rivet head industrial dudes I feel like they have way more of a sense of humor and way less of a like a German bullshit kind of thing going for them which I think is in part what makes them so charming and uh, yeah. and they do a lot of like fucking muscle tees, but they have no muscles. I mean, they're just like two scrawny white dudes with wild hair, but not full flock of seagulls, you know. Yeah. So okay, that brings us to our our last one, which is the uh, one of a kind, and I think unclassifiable group duo, Oak, and their. Uh, debut album, which is unpronounceable. Offer Stehung. Oh, okay. Never mind. Offer Stehung. And I know that, like, part of their thing is they do, like, a sort of made-up language, whatever, whatever. I have to tell a quick story in order to get to the album, but it's a good one, kind of. And uh, so their original, their original album, or EP, rather, called Offenbarung which I almost put instead of this, but like clearly the album's better, has this song on it called Eraj Nur Dwofa. And it came out on Downwards, and they did a video that was on uh, Vimeo, at least it used to be, I don't know if it still is, for that song. And it's old nature doc footage about wolves, and it's this... It To me, it was like Burial, if Burial was put through the filter of... German club music and like industrial, but it was gorgeous. And so it's, it has, so there's this, um, these vocals, these female vocals that are not specific words in that way. They are, it's glossolalia in the style of cocktoo twins, but much more so in my opinion, like dead can dance. And there's also an element of, world music and kind of ethnic or tribal or whatever and at the same time medieval majestic what it's this whole weird mix and it reminds me really of dead can dance if dead can dance was a german club band which basically these guys are and that song was gorgeous and and had this slow swelling build where the vocals kicked in and these clicking little bits of like not even rhythm but and these backing bass swells and all this shit 
And the day that I saw that video, I was at work. It was the morning. And that night I was going to my friend's house and we were going to take a shitload of mushrooms. And we had been planning this for some time. I listened to that song four or five times at work, probably more like 10 times, just thinking, oh my God, I cannot wait to listen to this song and do it on mushrooms because, uh, I mean, obviously. And the video is like, you know, old nature footage of wolves. I'm like, this is perfect. And so <laughs> I went to his apartment and I got there and we started drinking, getting ready to take the mushrooms. And then I was like, oh my God, I forgot to tell you, I already took all the mushrooms. And he said, what the fuck are you kidding me? And I said, no, dude, I'm so sorry. And he got all mad. And I waited like five minutes and I was like, no, dude, I'm fucking with you. Of course I have the mushrooms. I didn't take them. And he was like, you're a piece of shit. And I was like, yeah, no. And uh, so then we took them and we took them with his, I guess she wasn't the fiance at the time. Well, now wife. And the three of us took mushrooms. And when they started to peak, I said, oh my God, I almost forgot. And I showed him that song. And we sat on his table, which was this, or on his couch in front of his humongous glass coffee table with these gigantic speakers set up facing directly at us, like two feet away, probably not even sonically like the ideal situation. And then this huge TV just playing this video. And we basically sat there on a loop for, I don't know, 20 minutes. It was so perfect, so beautiful. It touched my soul. And when I, uh, took mushrooms the last time, like on March 31st ever before I got sober, I listened to that <laughs> one last time. And uh, it all led me, well, it all led up to this then album. I So what I'm trying to say is that I fell in love with Oak from the beginning and then they put out another EP that was very good, but much darker and, and interesting. And then they put out this album, which I sort of missed because I was into some other genres at the time. And then when I finally picked it up, I was blown the fuck away. You have a copy of this album. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before I start gooshing all, all over it? Uh, it? I mean, honestly, it's so <laughs> this album is connected to one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and possibly one of the most fun experiences I've ever had with you in our friendship outside of, you know, some of the, you know, live shows and stuff, just like, you know, experiences of us just sitting around. Yeah. Um, we, we pretty much beat Bloodborne. Didn't completely beat, but pretty much beat Bloodborne to this album. Yeah. And, uh, I, I remember one night we actually stopped playing for a while and watched that music video. Yeah. And now I, it's, like, when it starts getting cold and spooky out, like, right when, like, fall starts to hit and it starts to get a little chilly, that that's when I fucking pop this shit right in my uh, CD player in my car, especially when I'm, like, driving home from your place after we record, and it's, like, super late at night, nobody else is around. Ugh. Ugh. So good. Yeah. So it's it's... The difference between this album and the EPs that precede it are it, it's not night and day, but it's it's almost that because those songs are sharp and they are really good and everything. There's nothing there's no there's nothing to fault in them. I was amazed from the beginning. But what I I don't think I was prepared for was the the gigantic leap forward that this album has represented. It just sounds cleaner and 
more interesting and more unified in a way that like I never would have expected, although I should have seen it coming in some ways. And yes, to double down on what you said, playing Bloodborne to this album has forever linked these two things together. When I listen to the album, I think of Bloodborne, and when I play Bloodborne, I want to listen to this album. It is the ultimate music for it, and it also solidifies to me the comparison of with Dead Can Dance more than any other thing that they have done since or did previously. Like It really has a level of care and detail that just consistently reminds me of what Dead Can Dance does all the time and in all of their classic albums, which is basically every album they ever released. And the only other thing that I would say, the, the sort of the component that makes it from Dead Can Dance and their strange pseudo-medieval or pseudo-ethnic music and whatever into this German club version is that if you know Jarl, the, er the artist who is the main producer behind IRM along with Martin Blood, Jarl's solo work are these incredible, say, two to ten long songs of this dark ambient slash industrial whatever where every song is like six to ten minutes and typically revolves around a series of elements that are modulated, but with such an incredible and unreal level of Christine clarity to the sound that like one wonders why he hasn't been given like a throne of gold. It's just incredible music. And that's the kind of production and vibe, but then retooled into what feel like ancient hymns, but are these pseudo techno whatever industrial things and obviously i'm about to play a song from it so you'll get sort of a picture but it's a double album and really it's only done justice listening to it in its entirety and if you if you're not compelled to listen to the second disc after getting through the first like oh the fuck is wrong with you you're just listening to the wrong podcast i guess but it, it's just there there hasn't been anything else i think in my list that was quite that kind of hits some of these notes. So I'm going to play uh, Verte's book colon Mortre Rid. And again, this is like, I guess, in a made up language that Oak did. So, uh, it, fuck.
fuck, I can't even do that right now. It's it's just like... Uh, so, I, for those who are listening, I just inserted the whole song because it's pointless to hear part of it. It's truly pointless. It's... I, I, yeah. I mean, it's... This is... Fuck. I love my job. I'm not getting paid. But if one person hears this album that wouldn't have otherwise heard it because you're listening to this, like, I'm very happy because you're missing out otherwise like this is a monster and if you're into industrial and noise music which chances are pretty high if you're listening to this then do yourself a big fucking favor and check this out because even though it's yeah, on you know a techno label ostensibly it is amazing it's been repressed at least once so i think prices are down for a while it was selling for like 60 to 100 dollars, and uh there's a digital copy i think available but yeah, it's, uh, I would say that, I mean, this was an ama- amazing year for records, but I would think that, I would I would say this and Hate Rock's album are easily my most to listen to of the whole, the whole year. So, oh, yeah. And that about wraps up 2014 for me. Nice. Well, I guess, uh, this, this, I, I think this might end up being our longest running series. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who knows, maybe maybe we'll finish by the time it's 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only 10 years. It's only 10 episodes. But, I mean, you listeners, be thankful. Because if we weren't covering this, I would have spent 45 minutes talking about Gabber tonight. And you don't want that, okay? Trust no, me, you don't want that. Guys, you really don't want that. So you, you can hope and assume that by the time this series is over, I'll have moved on to something Anything less annoying than Gabber. So count your so, fucking self are, lucky. Dick Fetty, are you going to buy a uh, bunch of new Nikes now that you're listening to a bunch of Gabber again? No, I I bought the Nikes prior to going to Japan. So I have two new pair, but they're not Air Max 90s. They're uh, different, but the one is, they're too sick. And uh, I spent like... I, I, I was too shameful to reach out to my guy, Omar, partially because I don't want to, like, feed his, like, potentially raging drug habit. But I would love to buy the rest of his records. But I have also ignored, like, his last three text messages in the past two years because I was like, I can't buy more Gabber. And then I just bought, like, a lot more Gabber from some seller that was potentially bought his shit. I don't even know. And uh, I hypothetically, well, I don't hypothetically, I have um, way too many 12 inches coming my way. It's a shameful amount, and I I will have to reap the whirlwind in the near future when they come. So I'm going to ask you this question again in like two weeks, and you're going to be like, yeah, I may or may not have ordered some shoes. No, well, dude, Vietnam's probably closed down. I don't even know that I can get those kids to make my shoes, so. Oh, that's true. All right, well, that's the time we got for... Uh... Muted dicks, mutated, mutated fun time. Yeah, bearded dicks, mutated fun time. Um, I have been the beard. I've been the dicko. Did we even introduce ourselves? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We did. God, it's like you don't even listen. You talk for a whole episode. You don't listen to a word I say. True. Big of true. Anyway, uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Uh, we're going to hopefully remain, you know, uh, without, you know, any outside effects uh, on a normal schedule again. So uh, we're going to give you more of the thing that you didn't ask for. 
Yeah. So, later, nerds. Later.